All right. Sweet. Welcome to the Cymatic Show. We have Luca Lush. Hey, what's up? How's it going? It's going great. I Happy not, to be here. I did not think this was going to happen. Yeah, I am uh, very absent-minded. <laughs> right, the second time somebody's been late because of writing tracks and stuff. Yeah. Kyle, yeah. too. He's like, dude, I'm like, where you at, man? What's the ETA? He's like, I'm writing a banger, man. I'm like, dude. That was exactly like yesterday. I was like so in the zone, and I just... <laughs> left my phone in the other room and i mean it's done now that's the good part but Banger? like yeah it's, it's a slapper yeah yeah cool like, yeah cool so, so dude what uh what, well first off what made you dye your hair uh it was like i was still living in new york at the time and the girl i was dating was just like hey we should dye your hair and i said okay because i'm an easygoing guy yeah sounds <laughs> like some branding tactic or some it, shit i mean like because I, I thought about the reason I'm yeah. asking is because I was like, man, should I do something? Look, Drew has dreads. Yeah. So Drew those instantly. Look, those look sick. Yeah. Drew yeah. instantly has like a little bit more swag. He yeah. instantly gets 10% more likes because it's fucking drought. <laughs> <laughs> but he's got dreads. You, know can, you can quantify it. Like. He also gets Post Malone all the time. He like, does look a little bit like Post dude, Malone. Like, not even on Instagram, especially because like comments just Post Malone gets a ton yeah. of likes. But then also on uh, when he goes to festivals and shit, he'll be walking around and they'll be like, Post. Oh and my God. Shit all the time. Does he just take. So. Uh, I get ninja all the fucking time. Not as oh, much you get now because of blue hair. Yeah, since I grew out the beard, I haven't gotten that. That's as not much, a bad thing. Though. Ninja's fucking killing it, dude. Yeah, but it's just really annoying. But it was kind of funny because I started taking it in a more positive light. So like, it would always be at the airport. So I'd uh-huh. be like, yo, ninja, I'm a huge fan, man. No, and I was like, like serious. Word, yeah, let's take a picture. I'll post it to the gram later. That's fucking funny. Yeah, so I was just trolling people. I probably have on my old phone like uh, a compilation, I think, of all of those pictures. And there were a lot. Oh, so there's a lot. Where there was a lot. Yeah, it was really funny. Dude, so, that happened. Uh, I was a little butthurt. Nobody was like, hey, Luca, you should, you should get on this comp. Dude, you're <laughs> the perfect boy for this. Dude, the, the, the last music industry, like we do these like little like networking events, right? Like a party, essentially. A bunch of producers yeah, from yeah, the city come. Yeah, yeah, so we did, the, yeah, we did that one in Atlanta. And it was funny because the first one we did, there's this guy and he's talking. Uh, Drew, he's talking to this, um, this guy. And it's like this Indian dude. He's a producer. They're talking. And this other guy comes up to Drew and he says, hey, can I get a picture with you guys? And Drew's like, yeah, sure. And he's like, stand there. He's like, no, I want both you guys. And he's like, yeah, I want Steven too. And he's pointing to this dude. And I'm like, bro, that's not me. I'm like, he's like, I think you want, and the kid's confused. He's like, oh, okay. And then he's like, wait, I think you want that guy. And he's like, oh yeah. And it's just oh, like a, a goofy thing, man. Oh, yeah. No. It's taking pictures is always a funny thing. I don't even like taking pictures that much, but. Do you go super, do you go hard on IG? Are you doing I, IG I content? Don't like- you don't like don't it? Like you like Twitter though, right? I love Twitter. You, yeah, oh my Drew, god, I live on Twitter. That's what Drew, Drew wrote in the notes. He's like, yeah. dude, he's, he's <laughs> my Twitter's Twitter. popping, but like, I've been using Instagram more because I've been dressing better. Yeah. So, uh, do, you, do you think uh, Twitter's good for artists right now? Uh, I mean, I suppose so. It's been good for me. Uh, that's really the only way I can measure it, unless I guess if we went into the, the so, researching it. It's but so it's, fast. It's, great to get, it's so fast. It's really easy to get in touch with people. So you're in tune with all the beef, too. You probably oh, see yeah, it. Oh, yeah. I always know what's going on Dude, that's that. like Drew. Drew, yeah. the second something happens, yeah. he's like, do you see it on Twitter? I, like, I have stopped. Uh, we've grown up. We no longer involve ourselves in the beef, but I will like... <laughs> <laughs> are you, are you, tr- you troll online? I don't. I mean, I shit post like one to one with my like, yeah. like more wholesome content. Well, I think, dude, sometimes artists are too fucking stuck up about their oh, shit looking perfect. Oh, I mean, perfect. I could go on and on like, and on about. It doesn't that. even work that good. Like, you know what I'm saying? I like, mean, people just see like the one or two examples of it like working really well, like 
and R.L. Grimer, Porter Robinson, where everything is like super clean and like very tactical and stuff like that. But there are so many other factors that go into that. Look at Cardi B going off twerking. And, and, yeah, and Cardi B really... is the other end of that, yeah. I suppose. Like the opposite, where she's just like, you know, it's whatever goes. 100%. Uh, which they're, they're both equally valid ways. I just, I, I kind of would put myself somewhere in the middle of those. What do you, what do you think about the whole cancel culture that is going uh, on? I mean, I think cancel culture as a whole has good intentions. And like most people's hearts are in the right place, but sometimes I think it defeats the purpose when you come at people so aggressively that they double down on their original probably problematic behavior. It's kind of like flash angry mob. Type yeah, shit. yeah. But I think the the goal should should be not to crucify these people who you know whatever the issue may be mm-hmm. that comes up. And I know that's a very broad paintbrush stroke right there. So there are probably instances like where it's like. Yeah, that's fucking like an R. Kelly, like an R. Kelly. Yeah. That's like kind of cut but, and dry. To okay, me. so but you know why? Because me and Drew always like study like what's yeah, going yeah. on. You know what I'm saying? But even shit like uh, the the whole Zed situation that blew up. Yeah, that was really funny. I did comment on that. I did. Oh, do you hopped that. in? <laughs> well, what like, was your tweet? What was your well, tweet? My first tweet was like, you should like. It, it was some. It was one of those clap tweets, and it was just like, you know, make sure you credit or pay everybody yeah. you collaborate with, which is a fucking easy thing to do. But, uh, you know, then Zed also came out with his own statement. Yeah. And, I th- and then I made a joke. And I was like, oh, the truth lies in the middle. Yeah. But, no, so it's kind of <laughs> – the, the thing that I don't like about it is is that, like, it doesn't matter whatever that first call it is. People take that first the call The middle, out. you know, the Zed, the, Zed, the Zed song, the middle. That was the, oh, yeah, yeah. It's okay. I I, went over it, it wasn't – I'm more of a fan of the early this Zed guy, stuff. He's more of a Twitter guy. So he's more of a Twitter guy. <laughs> Doesn't do as well on the podcast. Strike one. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, no, no. I mean, uh, if somebody watched it, would be like, hey, yeah, I got that. Yeah. But, uh, uh, sorry, I interrupted you about something. I don't even know what the fuck I was saying. It's, okay. it's all good. Anyway, oh, yeah, Zed's early stuff. Oh, man. That's oh, just, yeah. It, His it, electro it, phase before he went more pop, which I understand. More people listen to the record. I mean, it worked. It worked. I, I mean, Clarity, though, is just still a bop. Yeah. Clarity's amazing. So. But uh, I don't ever blame artists for taking that route, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Especially like, I mean, look at Chainsmokers, man. Fucking Dude, I mean, crushed it. Yeah, crushed we, it. we got a collab with them. It was sick. Yeah. No, it's I don't know awesome. when it's coming out, but Hopefully it's right done. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, they played it at uh, played it at Ultra. I was like, oh, because we were watching uh, the live stream. Uh-huh. And I didn't like, they didn't tell me they were going to play it or anything. This was like, it, it was like a month before we like got it. And uh, I was like, oh, they probably, you know, wouldn't want to put too many like i feel like for festival sets most bigger artists will just play the hits you know uh-huh. they will maybe sneak in one of Random. their new tracks yeah. but then the crowd's like <laughs> so like, usually i uh, wouldn't have been expecting that that was really nice yeah have Dude. you ever had some crazy shit happen when you're playing live oh a lot of things <laughs> what's like what's like a crazy story about oh a lot of it's drug stuff i feel like <laughs> i don't know if we i need, can we need it. one we need one soft story we it doesn't have to be about you it could thing. be a fan or somebody oh, yeah. like Acting wild. I'm trying to remember. I always try to pull out sauce answers for this one. Yeah. Because I know oh, there's a funny-ass I mean, funny one story. time somebody offered me $4,000 to play, uh, I forget what it was. I think it was a Black Eyed Peas song. And this was, like, at some club in Kansas City, like, years ago. And I was just like, you can't pay me enough to, like, Bro, I'm playing to that like too. deviate from what I'm doing right now. That's two minutes out of a set, though. That's three minutes. I would I didn't sack care. that three I didn't care. I mean, like... It was just. Was he being? Were they being serious? It was. Well, it was more like you know this person has that kind of money to throw away. I was kind of like offended in a Wait, way. Wait, was it? Who was it? It was just like, a random girl at this club, and she was trashed. And of course, it was her birthday. Was she being serious though? She was being. It was her birthday, man. You can't play her a Black Eyed Peas song. That's no. fucked. 
Oh, what do you mean it's fucked? Like, any, any DJ that you ask, they'll be like, there's a video of like Calvin Harris, somebody coming up to him and being like, hey, can you play something we can dance to? And, she, and he like turns off the music. He's like, do you know who I am? Do you know whose show this is? Do you know who like everyone else came to see? This is dance music. And then he like continues playing. So I'm paraphrasing or something. Um, but I mean, I felt bad for the girl in that, in that uh, instance. But also it's like, hey man, like it's not like, you know, a school dance. 100 percent so and like i've worked hard to 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 put together the things i want to share that night you know uh-huh yeah no totally that's all it, and, and i do have an edit of a black eyed Peas song somewhere <laughs> there but like that was later you should have told uh, me that yeah but i didn't have it at that time this was like two or three years ago yeah. so so, like so i got a question i want to go back to your streak of remixes that mm. popped off on soundcloud oh, you want yeah. to talk about like a beautiful time how that affected your career especially yeah. taking advantage of soundcloud when it was like when it was popping when yeah. it was popping so you want to talk about like how that affected your career yeah i mean it was just a golden window i feel like uh it was a point in time where the music industry hadn't readjusted to the the uh paradigm shift towards streaming right mm-hmm. so uh SoundCloud existed in this very legal gray area. And I was like, you know what? Um, I'm not getting a record deal. My dad doesn't own a record company. Taylor Swift. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I'll I'll throw a shot. She's never going to respond to me. It doesn't matter. Um, So I was like, the the easiest way to, to, you know, garner free publicity Mm -hmm. would, and to introduce my style and my music to more people would be to remix these tracks that are already popping off. And I just got really good at bootlegging stuff and like, you know, EQing out just the vocals and Uh doing like bass cancellation and all this stupid shit to get like a clean acapella or as clean as I could get it. And then putting them in context that people wouldn't like expect. I remember like the one that like really popped off when I moved here was like, I flipped like Travis Scott's antidote, Uh but I turned it into like a like house and future bass kind of thing and then like a bunch of djs picked it up and we're playing it like i got like videos of, like big gigantic was rinsing i was like oh my god yeah i was a big i'm still a big fan i think that taking advantage of moments of time like that yeah even with like the gray area like at the end of the day i mean it's not that big of a, deal a lot of them got on. signed later that was really? the cool thing yeah a lot of like uh we did uh, i did like a flip of um what was it panda mm-hmm. designer panda and uh then we put it out and it did okay um and then all of a sudden, Baywatch team came up like in the emails, and they were like, "Yo, can we get this track for the official soundtrack to Baywatch?" I was like, oh my god, because <laughs> they put a lot of money on the line. Yeah. I'll say how much: thirty-five thousand dollars. I was like, "Wow!" Because I'd never seen that kind of money, and I yeah. still haven't seen that kind of money. No, it's funny. And awesome. then, uh, then they talked to uh, you know designers team, and they said he's not getting any of that money. We're not letting that go at all. And the label was like, "Yeah, we're not paying him jack shit." And I was like, "Well, then you're not getting the track because like what the instrumental to- was entirely mine." They, you know, we had the legal ground to did stand they want on there. The, did they want the whole thing? They or? wanted the specific version that I did, but with, with designers not, vocals on it. But they wouldn't. They wouldn't. They say were. Fuck they the were. Ones. They were. Good. They were like either you get zero, or nothing. Would you rather take zero? And I was like, zero? it's the same thing. No. Get the branding. No, I was like, branding. fuck that, because you got to stand up for yourself, man. You can't let people walk over you like there that. You a, have to value your work, otherwise, people are gonna not value you yeah. as a person or but as an I, artist. But with remixes, I kind of understand. You know what I'm saying? Because there's a bit of gray. No. Well, you know, the instrumental part. That's the yeah, thing. 100%. But you're not gonna like I at least still split. put in the time and the work and the effort to make that, you know? It's like, oh well that then nothing matters, right? Yeah. None of the creative work matters. Don't pay anyone for anything. Fuck it. Let's just that's that's you know. Anyway. You still but, do, are you still doing bootlegs? No. 
Not really. I mean, like, I have some for my live sets and stuff, but we're kind of moving away from that because I think it's, like, I don't know, I'm getting older, and I have different things I want to say, mm-hmm. and definitely I still want, like, my shows to be, have this very party atmosphere and stuff, so, mm-hmm. like, those will definitely still appear in live sets and stuff, but it's not going to be, like, focus. the... Yeah, it's not going to be the main focus, I don't think, anymore. So what's the biggest show you've played? Oh, wait, I want to finish that other thing. Oh, uh, yeah, so, anyway, ended up going on the the uh, the Baywatch thing, though. Um, oh, it did get yeah, on Yeah, because the guy came Plot back twist. to us, and he was like, hey, I'll give you two grand, and I talked to my team. Designer? Then, the designer squad? No, no, no. Uh, the guy who was uh, in charge it. of the soundtrack. Yeah, and he okay. was like, I'll give you two grand under the table if you just like let this go. And I was like, okay. So you did get it. Uh, yeah, but like you know, for a fraction, they got $35,000 for a sink, and I got two. Yeah. So, but yeah. It's all good. Hey, that was like two and a half months rent at the time. That was sick. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. No, no, for sure. Uh, but yeah, so what was the biggest show you've ever played? Uh, what was it? I think it was Doolab at Coachella, probably. How many people? I don't know. It was like three or 4,000 in that crowd, something like that. You, does it, is it ever crazy when you're playing a situation? I, when it gets crazy? like that, it's kind of like this amorphous blob, you know? Dude, that's the same answer we keep getting. Yeah, yeah, because it's like you can't – I like the smaller shows. I like shows that's like – 300 maybe 500 max like really tight really packed yeah right there next to you sweaty ass basement warehouse that kind of shit and yeah you can really connect with the people and it feels more like a party and i don't really like this whole separation kind of when you have like this gigantic stage and it's just like you're this tiny person that's what that's why that slow magic shit is so good we're talking yeah he brings his drum like yeah into the the, crowd i I start pits in the crowd i go out to the crowd a lot yeah i just do like stuff that i guess most EDM people wouldn't do. I kind of like that funny guy. Who's that funny guy who's like playing Tomorrow World sets and shit, but he's like a goofball on stage? You mean uh, my buddy, uh, Little Texas? Oh, I'm not. <laughs> Salvador. Salvador. Oh, oh, uh, Salvador. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy's he hilarious. Yeah, yeah, he dances does. yeah I, I like that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, at that's the end of the day. That's such a creative approach. Yeah, it's entertainment. Like, you can be. He's a relaxing your butthole guy, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, what, that's what he did like on the i remember first watching that blown up i was like what the fuck his dance moves are on a whole nother level and that song you put out recently through as a was it horse i like that yeah yeah very good team have you uh have you played around with shit like tiktok yet i should i, I, I my uh my friend robbie uh he keeps telling me it's time like, well, dude, it's it's doing some crazy shit. That's I mean, why I'm asking. little Nas was TikTok. You know, he started. Well, dude, because you were talking about the bootlegs and stuff. I'm yeah. like, dude, TikTok's kind of in that phase where it's like you can take advantage of like some crazy shit. Oh, well. like uh, maybe I'm gonna do that again then. But yeah. uh, like, <laughs> like hop on the pop pop yeah. trend, like like uh, pop culture type yeah. shit, and then throw in a cool song. And oh, then, that would be sick. Yeah, dude, my uh, my buddy Booty Vogue at Heroic. He um he's on Holes Manager. He said one of his Heroic acts. Yeah, he said one of his acts. Uh, released a song randomly starts blowing up like w- way after they released it and it turns out that it was like all these girls were doing Use this dance TikTok. yeah and there was over like 12 million videos made I mean that's the Bauer Harlem Shake phenomenon right you know it's crazy I would do more st- like I think more plays like that is, is powerful you know what I'll, I'm saying I'll do it <laughs> <laughs> I'll take the advice good advice when it's thrown at me so, so uh, how'd you get into production I kind of get first started with music oh so uh, I used to be in like screamo bands like screamo, like mallcore, hot topic bullshit. You know, uh-huh. uh, I can curse, right? That's cool. Dude, you can curse uh, what you do. We're about to light. No, I'm not gonna. We're about, use to, we're about to light. We're about to light this guy. <laughs> you, can, you can curse on the show. So uh, yeah, I was in that whole scene. I was very bad. I played drums. I did like singing and screaming and a bunch of other 
like local bands and then uh when i went to college i got more into or like towards the end of that i got a lot more into production and like electronic stuff because i just wanted to make everything myself and not have to worry as much about you know band practice what are you using i'm an fl i'm still an fl but i use ableton fuck yes bro thank god like there we go finally well, I, I mean, love FL, dude. FL's great, but like if I work with somebody else, like it's I'll annoying. just use I'll use Ableton. No, like uh, I'll just like, I just I'm started, slower, but like I just I started use using it. Ableton. So yeah. there's piano rolls in the league. The like, piano rolls the one thing that really bugs me, but like the MIDI tools kind of make up for it. They're definitely easier to use and more more extensive than FLs like I like that you don't have to like like make unique every time you want to change like a little thing yeah, in Ableton. Yeah, that, that is fucking. Because the other day I was messing around, yeah, I was like, "Wait, I can just pitch individual like pieces of this." Yeah, yeah and you don't have to do the whole thing. Yeah, but it's kind of nice also at the same time when you do it like in a pattern clip and then it's the same for every one and it kind of like think it's more conducive for dance I think, music. I think you know? FL is fast though. FL is fast, but everything's fast if you know your hockey's. That's true. I know? used to play StarCraft. Yeah, it's so, all it's all about your hockey. Yeah, man. so so and I used to play st- I, I used to like track my APMs and shits, you know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> so like when I start like I so like in StarCraft you gotta keep your hands warm, right? Yeah. So like while you're doing it, there's certain button things you're doing just to keep your hands yeah, warm yeah. for the battle. Yeah. And it sounds crazy, but like I, I would do it in FL studio, like even if I'm not doing yeah. something, I'm listening, I would like It's do, all like, about being efficient. Definitely. Yeah. Like the minimizing the amount of time that you have to uh think and actualize what mm. you're thinking i think is crucial to so making you, music so you kind of move quick once you i move very quick yeah i write a, i have so many i have like 30 demos right now from when uh, i came off tour and about 10 finished tracks that were like shopping around damn so i've just been writing every day like i told you before like i'm just homebody right now do you, th- do you think a lot of producers spend too much time like kind of focusing on small detail yes, rather than 100%. making sure the big the, the bigger pictures there? the best tracks are made in like four hours Dude, I totally agree. But my biggest tracks were all done in like four to six hours. And then the ones that I've spent, and everyone does, you know, sometimes you end up spending too much time on it. You lose, you know, grasp of the original idea or the original inspiration. You can't even hear it sometimes as as a creator. You get too overstimulated and you can't make executive decisions about where the track needs to go, what needs to be added, what needs to be taken away, which is almost usually more important. Um, and then it will get like too cluttered, you know? Yeah. Um, but sometimes a track can like languish for a bit and then you end up putting it out and it does great. That happens too. Um, or like it gets discovered later, you know, mm-hmm. like I was saying about the, the Panda remix, like that did okay. And then once it was on the soundtrack and everything, it had, you know, mm-hmm. like blew up on Spotify and I was like, Oh cool. Damn. That's nice. And my mom was really happy. <laughs> she <laughs> like, went to go watch. see the film and she's like, oh, you're, you're seen. You know, it's in here. I was like, oh, that's sick. Do you, do you focus on like the sync deals and stuff or does that no, just happen? That just, that's it's uh, just random. Yeah, that's like out of my control. We have, uh, you know, sometimes it's a label like, uh, you know, Matt Decent does very well with that, for example. Uh, but yeah. I wish I knew more about it. I should. Yeah. I mean, dude, those guys are making killing. Yeah, they do. I, I remember like... Uh, That's one. the other reason why I'm trying to move away though from uh, just being... And I think I have. People have kind of noticed that uh, being like the, the the king of SoundCloud bootleg. Yeah. World, you know? No, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, <laughs> or the prince. The prince of SoundCloud. Uh, but uh, because, you know, if you get a sync deal that comes in for that kind of money and it was just my original track and then, you know, obviously that would be split between management and uh, business manager and attorney and then taxed and but you know i'd still walk away with somebody artists get chopped pretty hard (laughs) you get chopped up but it's also like it's kind of necessary you're running a business like you have to be able to you know make other people money too so they want to continue 
to see you grow. When you when you were first getting started, did you have a manager and all that, or were you no. just putting shit out? No, I was just going ham on that, and then slowly, you know, I went through like three bad managers, like really. And then I had one uh, who's more of like a, a friend, creative consultant type dude. Uh, this guy Simon Ang, who uh, is amazing, and uh, that was like the first person I was working with steadily, uh-huh. and like we kind of clicked, you know, saw eye to eye on things that we wanted to happen and stuff, and then slowly started. You know, I went through, uh, you know, got an agent that was on the agency group, and then they signed over to UTA, and then I fired that agent, and then I went over to Spin, uh, and I was working with this guy, Andrew, who uh, manages whipped cream mm-hmm. and abstract, I think, now. Uh, he's a great guy. I love him. Uh, then we left Spin, Nova Love of Spin, and now we're over with Jake uh, at UTA and Steve, Steve Gordon. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we've jumped around a lot, and then management-wise, I jumped around another uh, two like managing teams before I'm with Vital now, uh, which is like Max is my main guy, and then they do Wobble Land Vital events. They do a bunch of festivals and Man, stuff. The, as well. the teams can't control your Twitter. It's like oh, they try, <laughs> but they fail. <laughs> I've got like Donald just, Trump. Yeah, they can't, can't control them. They can't control me. I'm a wow cannon or a loose cannon. But uh, no, there's been times when uh, Max is or uh, you know. Max or Ali's uh, another manager on the team uh, would text me and be like, "You can't tweet that," and I'm like, "It's fine." It doesn't re- it's dude, fine. The thing is, we're just like, trolling. It's fine. dude. People that put out a lot of shit on the internet, like at the end of the day, if you have volume of content interaction and stuff, dude, that's gonna help you grow. I, yeah, well, and that's the other thing is, I'm just having fun, man. At the end of the day, like yeah. I'm just trying to have fun with this. I'm blessed that I don't have to work a nine to five, but I also have just put in a lot of time and effort to this anyway so mm-hmm. it's not like it's like oh i'm sitting back and i'm fucking doing nothing yeah it's like it's just finding something that doesn't feel like work you know 100%. that's the important part because you're always oh if you find something you love you're never gonna work a day in your life that's bullshit you're still <laughs> gonna be working it's just are you gonna enjoy yourself are you gonna feel fulfilled by the work that you're doing i have to keep reinventing what i do on a day-to-day basis yeah because, like, for me, it's kind of cool, like, running cymatics, like, okay, so, for example, I might be going super hard email marketing, Facebook ads, all that shit. Yeah. Another day working on that's a product. A whole, that's a whole rabbit hole. I've, like, Fa- well, dude, so you, you got to look Instagram ads. Fuck Facebook. I hate Facebook. Well, first off, yes, Facebook likes died. Mm-hmm. You know, that didn't matter That was all. a funny period of time where everyone's like. Dude, there was a period where we were abusing, like, pages that were that were huge, right? Yeah. Like, your EDM and stuff. We were oh, yeah, using yeah. them. Like, we'd pay for, like, a post or something, and then we'd make this viral video style. Yeah. And, we, like, we'd get, like, 1.8 million views because it was just so – the organic reach was so nasty, and yeah. I, I missed that time period. Yeah, and then they were like, huh, we can dick everyone around for money. So, you know what's fucked, though? Yeah. Is that, in, in a sense, it's, I think it's a bit of fraud because yeah. Facebook pitched Facebook likes as yeah. a, as an optimization for sales, so people were paying money to boost their yeah. likes. But it's but weird. They throw it off to like India or somewhere where you didn't have any. No, you can control uh, that. You oh, can control Because really? like whenever I used it or used it in the past, uh, because uh, you know we were like, oh yeah, we need to do that or whatever. I was like, that's stupid. I, I've given up on Facebook. I barely use it. You know, uh, but. I noticed that it would always be like disproportionately like Mexico city, India. And I don't mean like people Mm -hmm. there. I mean, it seemed like it was botted accounts that were, that were artificially inflating the like thing. Let me tell you what's happening. So when you optimize for something like a, like uh, it could be a link click or whatever it is on the back end, you're, you're telling Facebook, give me the cheapest likes to cheapest link clicks, et cetera. There you go. And the problem is if you don't do location filters, the thing that's going to happen is what's cheaper an American click for USA versus a third world country or something yeah. like that. Instantly it's, it's only going to be a fourth of a penny there. Yeah. US is going to be 90 cents a click. Makes so sense. what it does is if you don't set the targeting, right, it'll go yeah. there. And so a lot of people 
artists and stuff were saying this is fake and I, and and for example for cymatics i started with five bucks a day and like playing with it and now we've spent over 900 it just seemed weird to me because a lot of the i mean maybe it's changed since it's, i looked at it and yeah. this was a while ago before um we had um you know i think yeah ali does most of that marketing kind uh-huh. of stuff like that um but uh when i was looking at it i was like this doesn't make sense because they'd have all the default profile picture and stuff and it would be you know yeah. well like, it's just i'm telling you man it's just yeah. to back well because yeah, yeah, let me tell you why it's fucking i believe you yeah. i don't have as much knowledge in this dude so. So, so like the thing i'm gonna be doing is like shit like this so we're talking right i grab your best micro clips right so the little sections i'm like oh this is yeah. great like his fans will love this right so i take that clip and then i say hey i'm gonna target fans of luca lush yeah and then i also want to say not only do they have to like him but they also have to like native instruments ableton FL. these sort of things yeah so then i know they're a producer who likes you yeah and then I'm going to like go after essentially each of the people yeah. and just show them, hey, here's a cool piece. And they're like, what is that full episode? I want to go watch the yeah, whole yeah. thing. Makes and sense. that's kind of a cool strategy yeah. using off of it. Huh. Interesting Sick. shit. Yeah. I nerd out on that. Like, no, no, no. I, I, I'm enjoying listening yeah. to you. Dude, to Instagram swipe up ads. Yeah. I've been pitching to everybody. Dude, we're growing. Yeah, like, those have worked pretty well when we've used them. Fu- I fucking will say. crazy. Yeah. Like, dude, I started, we started Instagram six or probably eight months ago now. Yeah. And we're already at almost 200K. Sick. And dude, the swipe up giveaways are fucking like off the yeah. charts good. That makes know? sense. Yeah. You're like, oh, yeah. I want stuff. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I always want stuff. Yeah. I'll show you some of the shit later. It's, yeah. it's pretty interesting. So, what was the first song that like popped and it was like a. I can't believe this hit X number. Uh, I think it was, I did a remix of Bowers' uh, track with Aluna George, One Touch. Mm-hmm. It was a remix me and this guy Dirty Chocolate did. And like, it got picked up by like Run the Trap and like Odessa reposted it and all this crazy shit. And I was like, wow, I'm a big boy now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that was really cool. I mean, it was just cool. Even when I was getting like a thousand plays, I was like, fucking ecstatic you know it it was just cool that people cared about what i was doing that's all you know yeah and that i could spread the joy so to speak but also i've I've never really had like a super huge you know one-off hit and i'm kind of cool with that right now i mean like if i had one that would be that would be great but also i feel like it's more of a you know it's like the core, you're just growing like a core group of fans who are very passionate about everything as opposed to maybe if you have like one breakaway hit, yes, it exposes you to a lot, but like also I, I feel bad when it's like, oh, anyone, they just know like outcasts, everyone just wants to hear, hey, ah, uh, you know, uh-huh. and they don't want to hear like the deeper cuts or the, the casual fan doesn't want to hear some of the deeper cuts, but you know, it doesn't matter yeah. either way. It's all good. Everything's good. I think I think too many uh, producers are kind of like looking for like a grand slam and rather than not worried about base hits or certain. You know yeah, that's to, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. More so is that you know, if you're if you're always focused about trying to write a hit and not trying to like convey your individual experience of this life through your music, mm-hmm. then you're always gonna kind of miss the mark because it has to be come from like an authentic place, or you have to have really good ghostwriters. <laughs> There's two options. Uh, that's funny. So, uh, so who, who's the best person you've been in the studio with that's kind of blown you like away in terms of talent? Uh, I don't know. Everyone I've worked with, you can learn something new from anybody, I think. So there's always like little bits and things that I pick up from just, you know, being in the studio, like a uh, quicks, like quicks, the way he mixes, is just like, it's wonderful. <laughs> and yeah. just like watching him like the way he would you know move certain elements around to make room for other elements in the track things like that and then um yeah also just working out with super fluid because he's also on fl 
So oh, like, easy? Yeah, so it was just like Dude, super you gotta, easy. You got to link me up with all the FL, FL squad. Uh, I think Medicine, Quicks, oh, is Medicine Josh Pan, Kid. I don't know if he still is. Um, Are they from LA? Uh, Medicine lives in Dallas, and Josh Pan lives here, and uh, I don't know where Kid lives. Wow. Uh, Dude, it's crazy how many people live here. Yeah, most people are out here, which is cool. Uh, it makes it easier to hop in sessions, you know? Dude, it makes it easier to do shit like this. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, dude, it was a nightmare. And I landed, yeah. like, coordinating all the tour stuff here. It's yeah. like... Oh, well, I wasn't in <laughs> I wasn't in the actual session, like, working, but I was watching, like, Snails and Nightmare work, like, two two years ago. I forgot. I was, like, in the area, and I was hanging out with them. Going ham? That was when they made that collab, and it was, like, the early version of that. But just, like... They're so fast. <laughs> They're so, I'm like, I think I'm fast. And then I watched that work. I was like, damn. Yeah. I'm moving. That's crazy. Yeah. Probably but it's all about like, just like, it's about going with your gut. I realized like, if you take too long on any one element, you're just like, you're losing that state of flow. You just want to like, create as fast as possible. That's what I was saying before. Like, as naturally as you can. And not like, overthink things. Yeah. No, I think that's great. Do you, do you think that, a lot of artists overthink like a release too, like just putting something out. Cause a lot of guys, I mean, that's usually beyond your control when you have this many people involved, right. With management and labels and all that stuff. It, it, you know, it's something bigger than yourself at that point when it was, when it was all self-releasing, like when I was like just putting out the bootlegs and stuff, there wasn't much thought into it, but there was like a strategy. It was like, we're going to make the art like uh-huh. efficiently. And we're going to always have like an idea of when we're going to post it. And you know, like our squad and the reposts and blah blah blah. Uh, yeah. Repost killed SoundCloud though, and <sighs> yes, there was a period. And where I helped. Would, I helped kill it. I I we would, we I would take responsibility, too. but we let would, me defend myself. <laughs> we, we would like hack the shit out of like artist union and stuff, or, like toned in. That like. well, that was fine. I think when it, you're like being like, hey, like if you want to play this track out and you want like the high quality download, like repost it, that's fine. That makes sense. Um, and. I think with these certain artist networks, it made sense when you have like a group of like a dozen or so people like little collectives and stuff that are all supporting each other and are all pushing like their unique flavor. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes more sense because there's this kind of mutual like curation going on. So like you're not going to get these management or label push duds where they're like, we're just trying to make money blatantly mm-hmm. and there's no like person behind it. That's really trying to express a story or, tell something important um so i think that usually with those sort of networks you had that kind of inbuilt like gate to it so that you know there's a quality control element to it yeah and then when you have these gigantic like i get emails all the time still they're like hey man i have like a million and a half uh people that we can repost this to you know uh, just be only two a week only two a week brother and i'm less like dude it doesn't. Well, dude, the thing is that nobody checks for SoundCloud newsfeed. There's yeah, not like that, well, because of that. Because I got blown by that. that yeah, but in general, cool. like I don't know if a newsfeed can be that strong, like with just songs, because like you got to think of the nature of like Twitter or yeah. Instagram. It's like a constant dopamine hit of like yeah. what's new, what's new. But songs, <laughs> songs aren't doing like th- that. You can't do that at scale, like with songs, because you have to kind of deeply listen. It's more yeah. like you know, what I'm saying a deeper activity. I think in that's my opinion. why. Like, you know, even iTunes with, like, the 30-second clip. I, I mean, usually I can tell a song, like, if I'm going to like a song within the first, like, five seconds. Or, like, if I know if it's, like, doing what it needs to do. Mm-hmm. Like, has it fulfilled its purpose? Like, obviously, like, you know, yeah, yeah. a Deep House song or, like, a Tech House song is going to be mixed very differently than, like, Lil Yachty or something. Yeah. But, like, you can tell whether or not they hit the mark pretty quick. 
Yeah, no, 100%. So. Um, any artists you're like really digging right now? Lots. <laughs> let me And what let spaces me too? All over the place. Uh, like I'm really having a tip with like Lo-Fi House, like um, so like right. DJ Boring and like Mall Grab and a lot of these European guys. Well, I'm a huge uh, Lo-Fi and I started listening to a little bit of Lo-Fi yeah, House too. Uh, or like even some of the variations that have a bit more like, uh, like tech, like Katama. Um, and then I've been listening to like a bunch of like, like Cepha, like, you know, French core and stuff like that. Like little Texas has showed me like random stuff. I'm just trying to reach really far for like stuff that's new and exciting. Huh? Oh, I mean, obviously, but I'm still like the baby fan. What the baby? Nah, not really. I mean, I like that. What's that one track? Uh, uh, trip too hard. Or no, it? that's the little baby. There's oh. a dub baby. Oh, I don't even know dub baby. That's what he's a he's a like we like him because he's a character. Okay, I'll check him out. Him. Yeah. I'm sorry, that was like such a like a hard like no, like I, I just I'm not familiar. Uh, but uh, what uh, what I really loved recently was uh, Igor Tyler's album. That was amazing, and his whole swag during this the fucking bowl cut and everything. Ah man, he's just ah, he's been killing <laughs> it for so long. Like I've been a fan since like bastard. So. Uh, bit more problematic at that time that stuff would obviously cancel culture he would get slayed by that yeah. now if he was doing that but yeah, a lot of people would get fucking wrecked oh yeah i Look mean at, their earlier material would, i was watching wolf on wall street man i'm like dude this would never happen today yeah <laughs> even in what was that like 10 years ago right uh i think it was like 30 he was in the no no no, no. i mean the movie movie oh came the out. movie yeah. was like 10 years ago yeah but i'm saying that but oh yeah the entire kind of culture well i don't know i'm not a i'm not a ceo yeah. I mean, I guess I am, but of my, my, not that, you know, of Luca Lush. I'm the CEO of Luca Lush, but, uh, uh damn. Yeah. I don't know. What's, what's the, uh, what's the craziest place you've been to? Cause you've done a lot of travel Ooh, and a lot of shows. Uh, Bangkok was amazing. Really? Bangkok is just so crazy. China is so strange in a good way. Like but culture it's so, shock? Yeah. It's super culture shock. Uh, like, cause they're just, you know, everything, they have their own insulated social networks and stuff like how do you get in a market like that? Because like, they don't follow you on Instagram or Facebook because no, they're they not have on there, like though. they have mirrors though. That so people like that people yeah, yeah they like they will mirror post? it onto yeah like onto other sites. Like all of my music was uploaded to all their Are you music streaming things. I didn't do it. Somebody else did it. Somebody well, else is it coordinated the money. or is it like? Like you're not even. No, <laughs> I don't think so. There's I mean, a dude I'm sure in China there, running a different version of you. I'm sure there is a way to do it, and I haven't looked into it yet to coordinate it and to like facilitate that. But I don't know. I got like zero website traffic from China. It's like, yeah. a, like a dark spot. Like yeah. Hong Kong we still do, but like China. Yeah. Just well, Hong Kong is about to be wiped off in that regard. But well, do you see the stuff? Isn't like, a oh, yeah. there's like protests and stuff. It's right? a mess right now. Yeah. So there was an extradition, extradition treaty that they were trying to pass, which will allow uh, mainland China to like, if you could get shipped off from Hong Kong to mainland China. And then, you know, they're just trying to chip away at uh, Hong Kong's they're, they're autonomy independent yeah but you know technically when the british gave it up like it was going to be integrated by i think 2030 it was like a 70 like year deal or some shit something that, like that yeah and then did it they rented it yeah they rented it and then they didn't renew it and then so they're giving it back to china but then yeah. hong kong's like fuck that yeah well because hong kong during that time has you know that's a Turned very formula yeah to its own country essentially it's like a singapore almost like like when you're in a Chinese airport, Hong Kong is like listed under like the, the international flights. Interesting. Yeah. So yeah, correct me if I'm wrong. Some probably will, but yeah, uh, but yeah, China was cool, but like, so people chain smoke everywhere. Really? Airport, hotel lobby, in the club, everything. Everyone was trying to get me super fucked up. 
in Asia? That was, yeah. I mean, you know, whatever. But Do you get fucked up on your shows? Uh, after. After? I will, but I don't before because I don't want to fuck up my show, my set. <laughs> if it's like an afters or something like that and I'm not like on the clock, like if somebody has paid a ticket to come see me, I'm not going to be fucked up at my show and yeah. ruin the experience for them. That's just like Some people like to drink selfish. a couple brews though just to I'll have, I'll have like a beer before I go on yeah. to like loosen up and then maybe I'll have a beer while I'm playing. So like, but I never get to like the blackout drunk, you know, but some, I've seen some people do it and they can still DJ fine and I'm impressed. I saw, I, I'm I, not that guy. I saw Dead Mouse DJ. He got pretty fucked up when I was. When was this? It was this, um, what was it? So it wasn't even advertising. It wasn't a Dead Mouse show advertising or anything oh, like okay. that, but it was uh, Dead Mouse, Steve Duda, I think Steve Angelo, is that who it was? Ooh. And it was just a Steve Duda birthday party he was playing. Oh, well that's different. You know, that's like. Yeah, I guess it was different. You know. Dude. In it wasn't sort of like looser a looser situation. Yeah, he wasn't getting paid. It wasn't like the big. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, like, if definitely. it's a house party or something like that, like, hell yeah, I'm down to have a good time. But, uh, you know, that would be. Are there crazy parties here in LA? Yeah. <laughs> I used to be, like, more doing it, doing it live, but uh, not so much anymore because I'm, I'm trying to focus on finishing. Dude, stuff. You can't, yeah, you can't keep up with that lifestyle. No, I mean, like, it catches up to you. Like, I've definitely slowed down a little bit, like in, in partying and stuff like that. And so, but, but you know, if anyone who wants to, that's okay. Do your thing. Moderation is key. I mean, you got to grow out of it, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, dude, for me, I got it all out of my system, like yeah. high school, you know what I'm saying? And then now it's cool that like, fuck yeah, but then I'm, imagine, I'm, a, I'm a grandpa now. Imagine you, know? you, you know, you're going to all these random cities and you don't know anybody and you have social anxiety and you need to drink you to get rid of it. And then everyone wants you to do drugs in every city with them and it's free and all of a sudden you're popular when you were never really popular before and it's like kind of overwhelming and then a lot of people get caught up in it and they burn out you know uh do you think it's weird that producers are training for to be a dj and it like they're they're training like producers are going ham at learning production fl neighborhood logic whatever but then it's weird that they, once they have success they're thrown into something that's completely different yeah, they should just DJ parties for fun, though, before. I mean, I think both are equally important. Mm -hmm. And it changes, you know, as you go up the ladder of, like, what's expected of you and what's allowable in, a, like, a live setting. Mm -hmm. Like, if you're Porter, you can do a live set. People are like, hell yeah. If you're, you know, whoever at a local level, people don't really want to see your live set because they're not familiar with your music. Mm -hmm. They want, like, more of a party atmosphere DJ, and things DJ like that. Yeah, like a good DJ set, generally speaking. So, you know. Oh, yeah, I'll have one of um, Yeah, no, that's, that's super interesting. You know, I... Might have to. I think some people kind of get caught up. I mean, a lot of people have, like, gone downhill in that lifestyle and, like, didn't make... You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, I've seen it happen. Like, ru ruin their careers and stuff. Which, it's so tempting when you get a... Uh, I mean, when you get, like, a, a writer, you know what I'm saying? You get to put all your shit on there and go into places, but I definitely... I had funny stuff on there. <laughs> What's on your writer? Uh, I mean... Some funny stuff. Put I mean, now, now, it's, now it's pretty benign. I have like Smash. I have like if anyone has a cat or small animal, what please bring smash? to the. Like yeah, yeah. But, but no one's brought it yet. But I was like, yeah, bring like N64 uh, or GameCube. I think it says on there. But smash. Like, <laughs> it hasn't happened, but like when it does. And then like I always put three socks. People are like, why three socks? It's just to see if somebody read the rider or not. Where did I hear that before? Yeah. That was like the people ought to put right? like, but also because I have so many pairs of socks where I've lost one sock. I just lose socks. Like it's my fucking job. Dude, that's so, fucking hilarious. Yeah. But socks are invaluable on the road. Having a fresh pair of socks, man, makes you feel so good. 
Like, Dude, you're a happy man after you get Sometimes artists are savages, off. man. When they're touring, man, they ain't got much in terms of clothing. And they're, there's no place to wash them. Yeah, that's the thing. People are always asking, like, can, can I clean your clothes or something yeah. like that? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, if you get, like, a nice Airbnb, uh, Airbnb where they have, like, a washer-dryer, that's uh-huh. sick. Speaking of which, Alex, we're on tour. I, I think we got to wash our clothes. I didn't even think about that because we're going straight to Orlando, then to Miami. Oh, yeah. Land and then back up to New York. Oh, you York. guys are swanking out in here. That's a very nice place. Oh, this place? Yeah. You dude. guys have a washer-dryer here in the Airbnb, I imagine, right? Do we? Yeah, I think you have one downstairs, yeah. It looks like Dude, it so, so our logic is it's kind of cool because, I mean, it's like instead of renting a studio and going to drive to one and getting a hotel, it's like, dude, just get the Airbnb, set up all the shit, and yeah. do the work there. Also, I just like... I like Airbnbs more because, I mean, there are definitely people that are doing it kind of on a business level for sure, but uh-huh. like, it's not like, like a comfort in or a, or even the yeah. fucking Hilton. I hate staying at the Hilton. What? What's wrong with it? I, I just like hate, hotels. I just hate that it's the same thing in different cities. It like robs it of its personality. At least you got like, shit like towels, man. I'm looking yeah, for yeah, towels no, no, no. here. We'll take what we can get. <laughs> but, <laughs> and you always need a towel. Dude, who Hitchhiker's was it? Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, baby. I, for, I forget who was it came on the podcast. They like said something funny. They were like, dude, there was probably a bunch of porno shot here because we're in LA. And I'm Hell like, yeah, man. And I'm thinking like, no, like I've, been, yeah. I've been laying on the couch. Like what? <laughs> I think they might have cleaned it before then. You but, say that, man. But you know. This kind of this kind of place, dude, is probably, people probably rent it for crazy Hey, you shit. know, maybe she was famous and that fame will just, right. you know, rub off on you. I guess. <laughs> I'll pass on that one. Uh I think for a while they they moved stuff, right? I don't know if they were shooting the Valium anymore because of like condom laws or something. Oh really? I don't know. Crazy shit. I have a few friends in that world, but I haven't really yeah, I heard it's in asked LA. too much, huh? Yeah, I heard it's yeah, I heard it's rampant in LA. Are there certain spots? Yeah, yeah. I assume so. There are a lot of porn stars that live here. Dude, I had a friend who had a track blow up because it was on like a porno video with like a couple mil. That's sick. Yeah, it was fucking hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good way to happen. Yeah, he was like, dude, yeah. He's like, yeah, my shit was blowing was up. Was it like a smooth jazz kind of like classic uh, like porno chi- I mean, it was like a chill song, like a chill wave type song. Yeah. So. Whenever I think of that, like, what, what music do I want to hear in this situation? And it's usually like something like 70s chill wave, throw, like something chill. Not yeah. your future bass? Not, I don't want to hear my own music out of porn because I make rave shit basically now, yeah. you know? So, that would be too intense. It's <laughs> fucking hilarious. Um, yeah, but no, I love this place, man. Like, yeah. Chilling here, like, it's almost, like, surreal. People are, like, jelly because we're posting fucking... Hell yeah. Alex over there getting the drone, yeah, no, drone I shots. Was, I was like, wow, this is a nice spot. Yeah. Um, and I've noticed everybody has that reaction to come here. Well, yeah. That it's means it's like, a nice spot. Yeah, it's, not, <laughs> it's not like Cymatics is, is... It's not like we bought these houses. I mean, it's just fucking Airbnb for... Like, I should have said that. Yeah. Is it, well, it's just, yeah, flex. Oh yeah, we we purchased this. How? What's oh, up? with cash. What's up, guys? I'm just chilling here in the uh, my new house. My new house. My new crib. But you know what I like better than this crib? Books. I do like books. You like books? Yeah, I haven't been reading as much, but I got a Kindle recently, so I'm trying to catch up on what's, stuff. What's some of your top books? Uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to Galaxy. I mentioned that before. Like, and that's like. What is that about? I'm, uh, oh, you're not familiar. Oh, I, well, you got turned into a movie a while ago, but the movie was not. I think that I heard good. about the movie, yeah. but I didn't know it was. A it's book. a really great like dry British science fiction humor series, I guess. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's about this guy who uh, he's on Earth, and you know his life is like, eh, whatever. And then Earth is about to be demolished for an intergalactic superhighway, and 
uh, one of his friends who he's known for a while and thought was just a normal person is actually an alien. And he's like, we got to get out of here. And they dip and he goes on an adventure throughout the galaxy. And it's just a lot of bullshit, a lot of funny shit. Uh, so you like fiction? Trying. I do like fiction, but I also love history. Like I love, 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 like Dude, I'm a big, big I'm a nerd. big history person. Yeah, like, what kind of like you like history books? Or? Yeah, I mean, every I like when I was a kid, like I would always watch the History Channel, and then like also Animal Planet. So who, like, who's who's yeah, so, no? Yeah. Dude, I've gone on bear ventures, like bear attacks and crazy shit. Wait, like, you got attacked by a bear? No, no, no. I'm I'm talking. I would watch like binge. oh yeah, like I'm I binge weird animal things like that. Yeah, and I watch animals. Are, I love animals. So. I, Fascinated dude, by I him. always joke like, dude, there's a mountain lion going to pop up out here in Cali. Well, I w- dude, I watched this video the other day, and there was a Russian guy who keeps a pet puma mountain lion. I think I saw that yeah, video. Yeah, he raised it from... You ha- the thing with all of these crazy, like, you'll see people with these exotic animals, and it's very hard to take care of them because, it, like, we don't know as much about a lot of those animals also, and you have to get, like, a specific doctor, and et cetera, Plus, et cetera. if he gets upset... No, 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 that's not an oh. issue. If you raise it, the way that you can... I have an a cat like that'll that. fuck me up sometimes. You don't like gets <laughs> upset. And fuck, fuck you. Yeah, like you don't think a bigger one will have a bad day and just give you a swipe. If you raise it from like being a cub and it looks at you as like a parental figure, then probably not. I mean, people have had some issues, but you just gotta respect the animals. Like, like I have two cats, and one of them I raised from. Well, he was like that big. Ah, oh, man, I love that guy. Uh, yeah, but you know, I play fight with him sometimes. But I know, I know, I know you know, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. and you know, like I do what that you shit can where push. I grab their head and yeah, 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 yeah. You know. <laughs> no, yeah, the, no, the back of the neck is the how the the mothers pick them up yeah, when like, they're kittens, and they still have that. So if you pick them up, they like freeze up. They're like, Whoa. Yeah, no, I know what you're talking about. I only do that when uh when he's like on the counter or he fucking Dude, he they eats won't, anything. They won't stop getting on the counter, bro. There's nothing. I I I hiss at them, and that usually gets them off. I go like. Yes. Okay, so I can weirdly understand the language of my cats. Yeah, like, there's a certain you know the meows. Yeah, you know they're different for each cat, but they're but you, you know can what learn, they mean. You yeah. can learn your cats like meows. Yeah, if it's yeah. hungry or if it's like stuck somewhere or something <laughs> <laughs> that makes some goofy ass like cry or something. Yeah, the that one is like the wow. Yes, <laughs> yeah. that's the one. People think I'm crazy if I imitate them, but that, I swear, uh, like I that's, know both of my cats have done that one. If they're like they think I'm not home or something, or they're like lonely, or like they got stuck in something and can't get out. Yeah. yeah, it's like a wow. <laughs> Wait, so who are some people in history that you like think are dope? Because I have some people too I want to bring up. Uh, oh man, there was this guy. Uh, what is it? Mirides? Mirides? I, I read this thing on him the other day, but he was like a king of Pontus, which is like a uh, kingdom that uh, would be now, I guess, in the northern part of modern day Turkey. Uh-huh. Um, and this guy was, so the, this was during the Roman times, and they'd expanded to like the borders of Pontus. And uh, he was supposed to be, you know, to succeed the, the throne. And his mom was trying to poison him and kidnap him. And there were people like that were going to Damn. kill him. And so he dipped to the countryside and he made it his mission to learn as much about toxicology and like toxicity as he could. And so he started slowly ingesting a ton of different poisons that were known to be harmful at the time to build up a tolerance. And while he was also doing this, he was like visiting all the small towns and getting the support of the people, the peasants, and learning from like the local doctors and things like that, what what plants here were like good for this and that and blah, blah. And so he comes back a few years later with all this knowledge and public support and an army, and he takes the throne for himself. And then um, once he controls the country, he um, starts uh, investing in um, all these doctors and stuff that he's met along the way to become researchers to to create all these like poisons and stuff that he would ingest 
to become healthier, to increase his immunity to all these things. And then uh, people were like, it became like a snake oil, like down the line um, where people like, were like, Oh, this is the original formula of the stuff that he took, but it wasn't, you know? Um, but he eventually lost to the Romans, but it was like an interesting story. I mean, that's just one thing I heard recently. There's so many like, history is really interesting to me because it's a bunch of like stories that you can learn something from no matter like what it was and history always fucking repeats itself in some fashion or form like humans haven't changed that much in the last 2,000 years where you can like be like okay you can see people's vanity like is their downfall like for example this happened so many times or like you know empire getting too big yeah that sort of thing or even like fucking um what's his name Freud, you know, he like died in great pain because he was a cocaine addict and he just abused cocaine so thoroughly. He had an incredibly painful death, even though people just remember him for like, uh, you know, Oedipus complex and all that weird shit, like psychological stuff. Like if you look at like other, even just individual figures will have uh, very interesting backstories to them and like learning about their lives and stuff has always been kind of fascinating to me. Yeah, dude, uh, have you ever looked at me like Genghis Khan? Oh, Genghis Khan is a crazy, crazy. It's amazing, you know? yeah, but dude. but also Genghis Khan said at one point that uh, he took no greater pleasure than um, seeing his enemies slaughtered and seeing what they love taken from their very eyes, something like that. And I was like, okay, word. Okay, so he's obviously you know not the best guy, but like a lot of people are killing a lot of people back in the day when they were conquering. Like well, if you look at yeah, but the, to say that on record and not be like, well, this is a means to an end bro, this and try is, to positively spin it. Like, he didn't give a shit. This is forever ago, though. But I, not, It's like relatively forever ago, but like in the time span of human existence and the time span of like the existence of the earth, it's a blink of an eye. But his, his empire he got from being just a regular villager dude to like... Well, it's because people tried to fuck empire. him up and then he was like, I'm going a, I'm to a take this shit in my own hands. And then he united all the, the disparate Mongol clans. And then he was like, let's go, let's go one further. The, the cool things, though, in terms of a military strategist, that guy was a fucking genius. Yeah. Have you heard that one story? Um, I forget what city it was, but he was besieging a city, and they had run out of, or they didn't have uh, artillery or any, like, siege equipment to, mm-hmm. like, take it. So they were just trying to starve it out, but it was taking too long. And so he ended up tying, like, um, burnt, like, uh, what would you call it? Like, what would be the material that stays lit on the end of a torch? I forget what it's called. Uh I know what you're talking about. Yeah, anyway, he would tie that to pigeons, to carrier pigeons, and they would fly into the city with it, and then they lit the city on fire. And that worked? Yeah. Damn. That was crazy. Like, things like that. And I'm like, wow, like, I wouldn't even thought of that. Like, Dude, you even, know. even the way his army moved, it, like, moved. They were, like, wide. Well, yeah, but having a cavalry-based army also was a huge Could you imagine advantage. dealing with that, though? Like, you see well, that people coming? couldn't. You know, it was like, if you're, like, even in, like, in China... Or in northern China, like where you know a lot of the military was based more like in tight, tight formations, right? Mm-hmm. Like cavalry was a portion, but nowhere near the sort of makeup that the you know the Mongols had, where it was like entirely cavalry based. Yeah. And everyone, the Mongols are such like, a, or they were, I guess now it's like a different country, right? So uh-huh, or yeah, it, yeah. it's still related, but uh, like so hardy, man. People living in the steeps, that's like fucking tough. There is not shit out there. Dude, like, it's, it's impressive how much you know about history. I, I know a lot of stuff about random stuff. I, yeah. If there was a fucking DJ Jeopardy, an EDM Jeopardy, EDM I would be Jeopardy. the dark horse of that one. We're I would come in and slay that for charity. Yeah, dude, uh, we're going to have to host Jeopardy yeah, next time so. we're here. I'll hop on. <laughs> and I'll be like, where's Luca Lush? He's like, I'm making a banger. I'm sorry. No, put on, put on my glasses. Now I'm Professor, Professor Lush Daddy here.
All right, so get get back on production. What's up? Yeah, that's what people really want to hear. They don't want to hear that. Bro, this is the cinematic show goes wherever it wants to go. Hell you know yeah. what I'm saying? I've been, we uh, the stories we've already had this week are just go all over the place. Hell yeah. I mean, dude, Leah was here talking about a shooting she was involved in when she first moved to LA for like 20 minutes. I got choked out by a, a meth head when I first year I was here. What? Yeah, what, this guy. Uh, this guy. I was like walking to get a haircut, and I was still smoking cigarettes at the time, and uh, so I had one. I was you know doing my thing. I was I was chilling. Things were fine. It was like five o'clock in the afternoon, so the sun's just going down. I think it was in the middle of the winter, uh, and I saw this guy. He kind of had shaggy hair. He had like just long white shirt on, and he was chilling there. But he was also smoking a cigarette. So I gave him that nod of like, "Hey, we're in solidarity. We're doing something <laughs> dumb, but me, you, we're together on this one, right?" Yeah. I was just like, hey. yeah. And he gave me one of these weirder nods, and I was, didn't really think anyway. I keep walking, and then from behind me, I hear the guy like screaming like a broken thing. He's like, "You fuck with my brother, homie!" And then he grabbed me by the neck and threw me on the hood of the car, and it's just as hard as he can, and I'm like can't even talk i'm confused i was like what the fuck is going on and then like i'm starting to get tunnel vision there were there were like five people on the street too no one did anything no that, that kind of pissed me off no one even said anything that was a weird You're thing by yourself yeah i was just i I'm, i grew up in new york so i'm like used to walking around but I, I didn't i guess i just didn't have my head on a swivel and that was like in new york like i'm used to i know what signs to look for and everything like that but i just wasn't paying attention and this so was just my fault. random dude he, he must have been on meth or uh, maybe, uh, you know, PCP or some sort of hallucinogenic psychosis state because, like, it was just t- completely unprovoked, basically. Um, and he might have mistaken me for someone else. And anyway, so uh, I'm getting, like, tunnel vision here, you know, like, because, like, I can't breathe. And uh, I get, like, an adrenaline rush, and I, like, roll us from the hood of the car into, like, this four-lane street, and a bunch of cars, like, swerve out of the way. But, like, when we fall, like, he, like, loses his grip a bit, and I, like, get free, and then I just sprint and this guy chased me for five blocks, screaming his fucking head off, like bloody murder. It was very scary. And then I hopped into a moving taxi. It was crazy. What? And then I called my dad. <laughs> you like, called the police? What the fuck? Yeah, I mean, he, told, he was like, you should call the police. And I did. did, he, did and he they didn't the do cab? shit. They didn't do shit. Did he try to get in the cab? No, no. Because this was like, I, I, had, I used to run track. I had gotten a, a, a good, like, maybe half a block on him at this point. So damn, but uh, wait, was a cab driver freaked out? Yeah, I was a little confused. No, when I say moving, the guy was going maybe like ten. He was like getting off the line from the you know I like ran through the intersection. Yeah, bro, out. some crazy shit. Yeah, it was way, man. it was very traumatic. I did go to some therapy for it, so now it I can like talk shocked, about it. It was just very shocking, and it was like totally unprovoked. And like I I'm still very paranoid when I walk around now. Like I I'm very dude. Cautious. It's kind of fucked, man. I mean, but, not uh, kind of fucked. Do you remember the knockout game? People are just literally walking. Oh up. yeah, in Australia, it was a big big problem too. Really? Yeah, that was partially for a lot of those new lockout laws. Is there was a lot of like very bad publicity things where people would come up and try to like sucker punch you and it was like a thing i saw, I saw so somebody fuck. did to like a grandma and i'm like dude what yeah. like dude i think that's straight psychopath you know what i'm saying like what well the fuck? yeah definitely i mean you know what they say i think it's a good point for this is you know you can pick your friends and you can pick your nose but you can't pick your friend's nose and that's like a philosophy i try to live by dude please explain that one so i thought you, I thought you were going to completely and I'm no, like, no, no. you pick your friends right you choose who you hang out choose who you associate with you can pick your nose you can do whatever you want that affects you and just you but when you interfere with other people and their personal space and their personal lives and their well-being that's where you should not mm. essentially 
Yeah, I didn't know where you were going with that. Yeah. That no, makes sense, though. Obviously, sometimes what you do does impact other people, and you can't help it, but in the areas where you can't. Like, you shouldn't maliciously go after somebody and try to cause them bodily Was harm. Was this like a sketch part of town? No, not really. I mean, I, I guess it was on Virgil Avenue. So no one uh, ever caught him or anything? No, no. I called it. The cops came and like... Uh, he ran or something? No, no, no. I mean, I had taken the cab back to my house, which was like eh, a few blocks from there. And uh, I told him where it happened. And I was like, he's probably still there. Like, you know, he seemed like he lived there or whatever. And they're like, yeah, blah, blah. And then I think it was like a year and a half later, they mailed me and were like, hey, we might have somebody, blah, blah, blah. And at this point, I'm like amazed at the incompetence of the entire organization that I imagine that they don't have like even two-way glass there. I'm going to go there, and the guy's going to ID me. And then he, as soon as he gets out, he's going to bring his whole posse and fuck me up like he didn't, didn't finish me off the mirror? first time. I don't know. I, I didn't go in. I was like, <laughs> this was all going through my head. I was just like, I can't believe that it's just like nothing happened at all. Uh, Crazy. Yeah. Not even like from like a point of like personal vengeance or anything like that. More for like fear that somebody else was going to get into that situation. Or maybe he did fuck other people up in a worse way where they didn't like get away. Anyway, this is a, you know, when it's whatever. We're fine now. Life continues, man. Yeah, fuck Uh, it, man. And you know, could have been worse. My dad got. It can always be worse. My dad dad in LA. Now I think about my dad used to tell a story all the time. I'm not sure if it was Atlanta or LA. But, dude, he got stabbed in the back. Dude, what? Yeah, it was like this gang. And yeah. essentially, like, they were robbing him. And he asked for his wallet. And he was, like, taking off. And he didn't even know he got stabbed. Like, they were trying to, like, wrestle him down. Yeah. He gets up, keeps running. Uh, the guy, like, you know, I guess this little guy keeps jumping on him or something. Yeah. Finally, he, he gets to, like, a Ben and Jerry's. And he got away from them. And, yeah. And all of a sudden, he feels something hot in his back. And he got stabbed. Oh, shit. And it's just, like, bleeding. Where was it lower or upper? Or, cause like you got a lot upper, of your, but it was, okay. it missed. I think it missed. Like you Miss, said, yeah. Something lower was, back. You got a lot of the essentials. Yeah. Uh, but upper back, you might just like hit a bone or something. Or you might miss like, you know, yeah. the top, even if you get a punctured lung, you can live through that and you can recover through that. So but you like so much about this shit. I just have a lot of like, uh, I don't know. Upset, Googling obsessions? I YouTube do, obsessions? I do Wikipedia and Google everything all the time. Like, so I I'm, constantly I'm, am, like, just, I'll just be walking around and something, like, a lot of people are like, oh, you're just on your phone checking Instagram or Twitter. Sometimes. But a lot of times I'm on my phone because I saw something interesting and I want to know more about what's going on. Dude, I, you know? I bench stuff just like you. Yeah. I, I, I do Wikipedia, this. sir. That you get in, like, you're like, oh, wow, you know, I just, like, the other day, uh, we went to Second Sky's Fest. So, uh-huh. uh, poorest thing. Amazing. G. Jones, the future of bass music. Fantastic. Phenomenal. Cashmere Cat, a wonderful step. Even wait. played a hard style song. Wait. I was like, what? Wait, Cashmere Cat? <laughs> yeah, Cashmere Cat. Is he still it. putting out stuff? I mean, Mirror Maru is a fucking classic, right? Uh-huh. Beautiful, beautiful piece of I love Wedding Bells. Wedding Bells is amazing. I think he's doing more back end stuff now. I bet you he's writing records or something. That's right? probably why. Uh, he's he's a very like, like Kanye or something. I remember he had some collabs with some bigger. I mean, like, he's just a really good musician. Yeah. Really interesting good sound. Too. And his live sets are still really good. They're still really tight. I remember seeing him four years ago and was blown away. And he was still very good. And then uh, Mattyon was was very good. I liked it. Uh, it wasn't like as out of the out of the. I knew more of what I was getting with that set, but mm. you know, he delivered. And then Porter's live set is still fucking amazing. Yeah. I gotta stop here. No, I but, saw I saw him at Tomorrow World. It's yeah, fucking Yeah. He deserves the the accolades for that entire and even I Language love is like the, one of the best songs ever. Language is a masterpiece. Unison, 
even from the Spitfire EP, was like that first I'm gonna jam the language after melodic this. genius. He's just, you know, his melodies and his chords and the way Sound design. he places everything. I would say more is his melodic composition for me than yes. his sound design is the, you know, when I look at somebody like uh, Messiah. But, it, but it's or real like, clean, though. You know? It's all, it, well, I mean, Worlds is kind of messy, actually. I mean, not clean. It just sounds like it's still well mixed. It's tailored you know? to exactly what it needs to do. If we're talking about sound design in terms of putting together a record that feels incredibly cohesive, he's, a, you know, a yeah. god. Yeah. If we're talking about, like, not complexity like where I can't even figure out trying to reverse engineer a bass sound back until years later. Yeah. No Sia, you know, or like people in like the effectiveness, drum and not, bass yeah. type. Yeah, I mean, yeah, effectiveness versus it's almost like I would say that corner of sound design is more akin to the jazz of the electronic world where wow. it's it's very complicated for the sake of being complicated and there's almost no wrong way to do it. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like there's so many combinations. You can throw so many ways to manipulate just if you start with just like a saw wave at like C1. Yeah. And then you turn it into this gnarly fucking mess of a sound, this burly boy, this thick boy. But <laughs> then at the same time, somebody can write something on just, you know, a piano and that's the only instrument and it can have, you know, an extreme emotional impact, but it doesn't have uh, the technicalities or the intricacies of that other thick boy sound that we previously got. But most people won't care, you know? It's, yeah. a, it's a small subset, I think, of people that are really passionate about the incredibly complex sound design as opposed to sound design that is unique, um, that is maybe novel, and catches your ear due to the composition of it, which yeah. is more what I'd say Porter lies in that space. His early work leaned kind of in the middle, I guess, of that. Mm-hmm. The Complextro shit was definitely a bit more of that, you know, producer flair, that technicality. And don't get me wrong, sometimes I love to delve into that. I like that. the simple shit, I love shit, to man. delve into that stuff. Like, well, I lo- my favorite, one of my favorite genres is lo-fi right now. Lo-fi yeah. is cool because it strips away all that, and it's just it's just about the song. And it's not even about the artist because it's sitting in a mix. All of them are sitting in these giant mixes, live streams, and everything like well, that. Well, I'm thinking of more people that are actually putting them together. You know, that's why I was like, you know, or like uh, another good. Uh, I guess it's kind of even moving outside of that, but like Ross from Friends and stuff like that. Uh, we're talking about Mall Grab before talking about uh, who's that guy? Class with Ludes. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff in that scene that I'm really into lately, even though it's very removed from my EDM rave world. Yeah. Um, but I still really fuck with it and I want to do more sets that are like curated in that way. Or, or I even thinking about just putting out some series that like just tackle different genres and stuff because a lot of people know me for being very multifaceted in the sounds I choose and the genres I tackle and the tempos and the fucking amount of songs that I cram into like a 60 minute set. So I don't think it's actually that far removed from. Yeah. You know. are, are you, uh, do you feel pressure to come out with certain genres sometimes? Not anymore. No. Not really. I mean, overarchingly, sometimes I forget about the original idea that I had when starting this project, which was to make music that would work as well as it would on a dance floor as it would uh, at home or in the car in a context where that there would still be these uh, melodic contours and emotional moments shall we say mm-hmm. that move around these uh more dancey clubby parts that are obviously more minimal in terms of uh you know even the melodies and stuff like a good ignorant melody that's like three notes sometimes two 
hell, Fisher's losing it is like a total of four notes, right? For the entire, you know, including the like refrain bit where it's like the da na 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 na. But um, the rest of it is just what G and G sharp or something. Uh, yeah, it's that was like the biggest house track of last year. So like, there's something to be said for minimalism and simplicity as well. So what do you think like newer producers should take away in terms of like maybe getting better at some of that stuff? Because I think they, they're the... Just study. Just study, man. It's all about studying. Studying the greats, studying the styles you want to you wanna take on and studying a wide breadth of styles, you know? I, I will take apart lo-fi tracks sometimes. I will take apart, you know, the new Kill the Noise track too and try to redesign those bases and things like that. Uh, you know, Jake, great guy. Uh, very nice. Very, like, talked to a few times and I was like wow when somebody that you know everybody's well usually pretty nice game, everybody's nah. mad <laughs> oh shit that's a nah some people are stuck up some people are conceited I've met a lot of people so far have been nice yeah well honestly being nice is the bare fucking minimum that you should do yeah. like just being nice you should be nice uh, I, you know I won't call any names but there are, you run into some people that definitely sometimes I will even say it's not even the really big guys it's people that are smaller that have these disproportionately egos. large egos about what they're doing. Yeah. I'm like, you're an artist. You're doing this hopefully because you love it and hopefully because you want other people to enjoy and forget and maybe some element of escapism, maybe some element of storytelling. Um, but at the underlying part of it is a passion, right? Whatever that may be, whatever your end goal is. So why, when you get the opportunity to do something that is so fulfilling, do you need to think that you're better than everyone else that you're providing for. Because without them, you wouldn't be able to do it. Dude, if, it. Without a fan supporting you to monetarily, whatever, you're, what are you doing? Without, without people to consume or to share the art with, there is nothing. Mm -hmm. So when people cop an attitude, I'm like, dude, it's fucking dance music. Set the fuck down. Like, chill. Yeah, dude. It's like, um, also, like, think about, like, the, the the perspective they're in, like you're sitting there constantly getting people coming up to you being like, you know, riding your dick pretty much. And that nonstop, I think, gets people's head. And uh, yeah, but like, I don't know, I try to remove myself like one step from it. Like, I am not Luca Lush. You know, Luca Lush is a character I put on when I play my shows, when I make my music. Uh -huh. But when you think of it that way, then you're just like, yeah, you know, because I... I still fangirl over lots of artists, you know, people, even people that I know. I popped that's, up Slow Magic came. I was like, yeah, dude, I, I love Slow Magic. Yeah, he was just And like, I, I think it's important to stay interested in what your peers and other people are doing. And like, when you start looking at it from the, the quickest way to stop thinking about it in that sort of positive communal way is to look at numbers and to look at play counts and to look at follower counts and to look at Instagram engagement and that kind of shit. And that shit, Honestly, when I think about it, I start to go insane and not in a positive way, like anxious, depressed, not doing stuff. If you like, I think people really don't take into account how mentally taxing it can be when your entire like month to month existence depends on some of those things. If you get too caught up in it, it will drive you insane. And that's worse than burning out on drugs and stuff like that because you're just like you know, overwhelmed. And I've definitely been close to that in the past. Now I feel like I'm a very good place with how I deal with the, my interaction with this idea of being a figure. But I yeah. think a good way to deal with it is to partially remove yourself from it and not be thinking of like, you know, how can, I, how can this benefit me on like a personal material level 
which is when most people get into these, uh, you know, uh, like, oh, you know, I can hit up all these Instagram models or I can get all these free drugs or I can get, you know, blah, blah, blah. I can get instead of like, what can I give? Uh-huh. So. Yeah. No, dude, I think that's, that's definitely truth, man. A lot of people need to see that or hear that. Hopefully. I don't know. And, you know, I'm an imperfect man myself, but it helps to articulate the things that I'm trying to do. Yeah. Are you, you, know? minim- you so you're minimalistic or no? I'm trying to be more. Because it, yeah. so, it sounds like you're going I'm trying, that yeah. stoicism. Yes. Yeah, sto- well, mentally, yes. Is like uh, I've always been very much a fan of existential philosophy. But I think my, uh, and you know, this is just my understanding of a philosophy that is a very broad subject, right? Uh-huh. Is that sometimes existentialism can lead to more anxiety and stuff. When, you're, when your entire goal is goal-oriented, like... I will only feel happy if I have this many songs out or this many followers or things like that. Mm-hmm. Then you're always chasing this thing. And then what happens when you get to it? You're like, oh, fuck, I need something new. It moves. I need, yeah, it, it moves. Could. The goalpost moves, <laughs> but you never, you never get there. You never get to a point where like, you're like, okay, like, this is good, and I'm happy. You're always seeing that happiness is right beyond that next goal. And that, to me, was always what I embraced about existentialism is that like life you know, we make our own meanings. There is no, you know, life is a fucking mess. Every, nothing means anything. Things can happen at random. There's no God, et cetera, et cetera. You have to decide what is important in your life and create meaning out of that. And so I was like, okay, well, I want to just make a ton of music and put out a ton of music and be that guy. And then it was always moving, you know? Like, even though I would feel satisfied because I was creating a lot, I didn't feel happy. And I always felt a little, like, stressed out and it's extremely stressed out (laughs) and the old goals that you hit start to numb out a little bit. Yeah. It's not the same anymore. Exactly. But when I started to reassess that and say like, what is it that I enjoy about this and why, why exactly am I doing all this? Like, cause I could work a nine to five. Everyone could, could do that or you could do something else. Like, what is it that, that matters here? And to me, it's like, it's just sitting down in my house with my cats and making music and listening to music and, that's something I really enjoy, and I'm really glad that I can share that. Or playing shows. I fucking love playing shows. I hate traveling. I hate flying. Fuck every airline indiscriminately, except, except Delta. Rest in peace. No, fuck Delta, man. Fuck Delta. Delta. The amount of times they. I, I don't need to go on that rant. I love every Delta. DJ will agree with every bit of that. And if they don't, they're like, oh, well, you know, I've got gold on American Airlines. American Airlines has fucked me so many times. Like, ah, oh, man. Virgin, before they were purchased by Alaska, pretty good. They had those light-up lanes in the airplane. And question, why is there fucking hospital lighting on every major U.S. airline? It's like the intense white fluorescent. Like, I guess we would use it for this too. But, like, you're on a plane. We're not in the operating room. No one's having a heart attack. No one's having open-heart surgery right now on the plane. Why? Why not some softer reds, some LEDs, something to make you feel secure? Warm lights. I don't know. All right. Anyway, Virgin did that essentially, and like, do you have do you have mood lighting like in your house, in your bedroom, or anything like uh, that? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it makes you feel like better. Yeah, right. Because you can kind of. I accidentally the, put like, a couple white uh, bulbs in like my bathroom. It changed everything. I was like, I gotta get rid of these. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's why I spend so much time flying. It's something really minor, I guess, that completely infuriates me. That it wouldn't affect their ticket sales. 
it would probably improve them. That was a draw for Virgin that they were like a different airline somewhat, you know? Yeah. Um, and also all my dealings with them, whenever I had a canceled flight or a missed flight, they were very, very cool about everything and very easy. I had one like recently, like with United, I had a whole flight canceled and then they still took like the change fee over for like booking a new flight. And I was like, what the, I got it back, but it took me like hours of on the phone bitching. If you were like, dude, why are you just like stealing my money? I didn't, receive your product or anything i didn't take the flight flight was canceled yeah and then booking the new flight they were like oh yeah we know you paid like 300 for this but uh we're gonna you know charge an extra 200 bucks there like dude like, no yeah so anyway fuck the airlines <sighs> airports are crazy yo alex what time are we running A minute 15. I was like, God damn, that was a long minute 15. Long minute. Uh, sweet. Dude, I like this one. This one's going all over the place. That's yeah. what I like, man. Oh, yeah. I I, I'm a, a fucking slay dinner party, no, man. Interesting. No, I thought that was uh, a lot of good topics here. So a couple yeah. things. Uh, one, we're going to do a quick giveaway. We'll yeah. do at the end. Two, I'm going to do a little lightning round. Okay. Yeah, yeah perfect. questions. I want to actually ask you a lot of like your favorite production plugins and shit like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's, yeah. All the sauce. And then... Um, and what was the other thing? Oh, and then I also want to for you to go ahead and give a plug to the entire Semantics audience. So like, yes. What do you want them to know? You got upcoming oh, releases. Go yeah. follow you on Twitter. Yeah, Twitter would be great. Um, we have an EP, hopefully, that's going to come out in the next few weeks. Uh, to we're, we're still you know getting the paperwork all gone. Um, and then also we have a collab with Little Texas that comes out on Heavyweight Records um, at the end of July. That's a slapper. Slapper. That's a big boy. And what else? And the IG. Yeah. Instagram, Luca Lush. Sounds like your Twitter's more fun, though. My Twitter is more fun, but yeah. we're using Instagram more, too. Um, but, yeah. Cool. We don't, uh, yeah, the, we don't have the new tour announced yet. I wish I could plug that, but we haven't. Uh, it's all good. In go the check, fall. go, they, go they'll, check they'll see there, yeah. Oh, yeah, Global Dance Fest. If you're in Colorado, I will be at Global Dance Fest. Dope. Check so, them out. All right, guys. Sick. And the giveaway is simple as always. We're going to give away five $100 gift cards. All you have to do is comment your favorite part of the podcast in the comments. And uh, timestamps always help us. Smash that like button. Smash that subscribe notification, that little bell down there. Give that bad boy a ring. Yeah, and, and subscribe to PewDiePie. No, <laughs> <laughs> and subscribe to PewDiePie. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah, we're going to cut to the audio only for the lightning round now. Cool. Cool. So then essentially I drive all the YouTube traffic over to uh, Spotify, yeah, yeah. SoundCloud, and all that Sick. shit. Yeah. And plus, you know, that was kind of fun. Yeah. Steal this out of the shot. Yeah, yeah. All right, cool. So, um, let's see here. <clears throat> so, top three favorite plugins. You don't have to go super deep into all this yeah. stuff. I'm just going to kind of ask you just a couple good ones. Silent One. I still use Silent so much because it's nice and warm and it's easy. And I made so many Dude, goddamn make, sounds you for make it. Great sounds I mean, silent. it's just a very simple, very easy to use, consistent, low CPU plugin. That's Serum good. would be two because. It's so versatile. You can do everything that you want. It, it sometimes it might take longer, like, but the ease of modulating everything is amazing. It's so convenient. But sometimes it runs a little hot on that CPU. I understand. I understand. Definitely. And then the other would just be fruity parametric EQ too. I'll go with the simplest thing because yeah. pretty much everything can be solved with. Simple EQ. Simple EQ. Oh, wait. Honorable fourth mention would be Cytomics, the glue compressor, which Ableton bought because it was so fucking good. 
and they include it now. Like the glue compressor is made by Cytomic, but before that, it was just a standalone VST, which was by far and away my favorite compressor I've ever used. It's super easy. It makes everything sound great. All my drums that people hated on me during the peak of SoundCloud era was definitely just soft clipping through the glue and other saturation plugins. Very fun. Cool, cool. Um, all right, so what is the one thing that you're doing, the one strat, let's say strategy for your music project that's working for you well that you think a lot of other producers should do and take advantage of? Be honest with yourself. Like what you wanna do, where is your music going to be listened to? What do you wanna do with your music? That is way more important than any other factor than saying I wanna make X genre, I wanna do X. If you understand where your music is gonna be listened to, when it's gonna be performed, how it's gonna be performed, like who is it for is it for you it should be for you but who else is it for if you can answer all those questions and figure out you have a much better idea of where you want to go with your career other than just saying i'm going to hop on this trend or whatever because like sometimes a trend isn't what you want to do long term so interesting no that, that's awesome yeah. and um let's say we're in a completely parallel universe right oh yeah dope. you have you have wait your... wait what yeah let's lay down some shit. okay okay so parallel okay. universe nobody knows who the hell luke lush is right uh, is trump still president okay. yeah everything's the same. <sighs> you got a, you got five hundred dollars you got a, you got a laptop you got a laptop five hundred dollars and you have 10 amazing songs what do you do in the next 30 days a yeah. laptop and 10 no amazing manager songs. you're just kidding like bedroom you got a laptop 500 bucks and 10 amazing songs on your on your desktop what's your next moves uh you should figure out what, what, <laughs> there's so many what's. What are you doing? You got 30 there's, days. Uh, and you need a Twitter, you need an Instagram, you need a game plan, you need a five-year plan, you need a short-term plan, which is like, is there album art for these things? How are you releasing them? It doesn't matter if you don't, uh, basically I'm being my own manager and agent right now. Okay, so I need a release plan. I need to know when these things are coming out. I need to schedule it in. I need to have tweets leading up to it. I need to have posts leading up to it. You can schedule all those in advance. I would do that. I would also um, start talking to my local promoters and say, hey, I have this EP of stuff. I know I have blah, blah, blah. Could I have an opening slot? You want to do, you want to get your foot in the door. At least get some, some payment though. Don't, if somebody's paying you zero bucks, fuck that opening slot. You should still get even 50 bucks or something, you know, for your fucking time, you know, yeah. for your travel, at least compensate it. Anyway, get my foot in the door in that. Start throwing my own shows, my own parties in my local scene with other people that I know other producers, other friends, put them on, throw your own thing, make your own things happen. Because at first you're not going to have an agent. You're not going to have a manager. You got to like show that you can hustle and you can do all these things yourself and you don't even need other people. It's just like somebody wants a piece of what you're doing because you are fucking killing it. So even by that, maybe by the time the EP comes out, maybe I've met a lot of people through throwing this party, even though I only have 30 days to set it up and stuff. That's not ideal, but uh, maybe I've met a few connections. I've talked to people like, talking to everybody, talking, seeing what everyone else is doing and keeping your ear to the ground, very important. So even if you're not drinking or not doing any drugs or participating in that sort of aspect of the culture, you should be trying to go as much shows and participate in your local scene as much as you can when you are starting off. And even today, I still try to go to a, a lot of shit just because I want to be around it, want to be involved in it. Anyway, by the end of those 30 days, hopefully you've secured some people that can help push it. Either that's other artists who will help you repost it and support you, will do favors for you because you're going to do favors for them or you've already done favors for them, whatever. Maybe somebody that's in charge of a Spotify playlist or it used to be blogs or things like that. Now when your thing starts rolling out, people are paying attention. Maybe you have an idea for the entire branding of the project. You've already got that in the pocket. You, you know what your public image is going to look like. You know what you stand for. You know what your, your values are for this EP release, whatever. 
so many things that would need to be done in those 30 days. If you wanted things to have an impact, if you wanted to do art professionally, music professionally, do it as a living and not just a hobby. Because if we're talking about just a hobby and I had those 10 tracks and $500, I'd go to the strip club, I'd put those 10 tracks out on SoundCloud, I wouldn't give a shit because I did it for fun. Mm. Bam. And if I was in Atlanta, I'm hoping, because like I, you know, aside, I've only been to one strip club ever and I don't think it was the best one to go to, so I really should run it back. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> That was the best answer on that question. I think we've gotten on the show yet. Cool. I think that is a wrap. Boom. That was a great episode, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah, fuck yeah, dude. Oh, man, I'm beat. After that, I did after that day, I was...